So if you've got your Bibles this morning, please uh, take them out and we're going to be heading to John chapter 8. We're in John 8 verse uh, 31. I might just pray before we begin. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity we have this morning to hear from your word. Lord, as I, I pray often, I, give us ears to hear what you would say to us, Lord, from your word. May our hearts, Lord, be uh, like the good soil that yields many times what was sown, Lord God. Just come and breathe life, I pray, to the words that I speak. Help us this morning just to keep our eyes upon you, I pray. Bless the uh, young children out there this morning in the Holy Spirit encounter. We ask that, Lord, even from just such an early age, that their hearts would be awakened to you, Lord. That Holy Spirit, you would really be stirring the hearts of these young children to know your voice, to know the love of the Father, and to know Jesus, and to be firmly established and grounded in Him all the days of their lives, I pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So John chapter 8, verse 31, is where we're starting this morning. And it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed Him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So this morning, I want to bring a message on truth. That we would be a people who know the power of truth in our lives, who know the, the power of building our lives on truth. Who are led by truth, who believe the truth and are, are transformed by it. So I feel like of late here at church, there have been some timely messages for us as we've sort of been in this season of transition. I know that in October, uh, there was a, a great series that Andrew and Catherine did on, on faith. I was away for a couple of those messages, but what I have heard of them were just really great and timely messages uh, on, on the importance of faith and being a people of faith. And then last week we heard a great message on, on hope, a living hope. So perhaps I should have gone on love this morning, faith, hope, love. But I've decided to go with truth. I felt led to go with truth this morning. And just as we start, have you ever been in a situation where uh, you feel like you're, you're in the dark, so to speak, or you've had the wool pulled over your eyes, whether that's someone's been... Uh, you know, perhaps dealing dishonestly with you, or withholding information, or for all the parents out there, you know, with, with children, perhaps you know, children have come and lied to you, or, you know, no, I haven't had any cookies before dinner, and you can see the chocolate around their mouth, or, you know, something like that. When truth comes in those situations, everything tends to make sense, doesn't it? Where there's, there's just confusion and darkness, when truth comes, then comes light and clarity. And uh, my lovely wife, Steph, when she was uh, young, she was a young girl uh, growing up, she loved um, you know, sweet things. And her dad used to have in his study a bowl of chocolate bullets uh, on his desk. And uh, Steph came across these one day 
and would you know regularly just enter into her dad's study when he wasn't there and take hand you know by the handful kind of thing and consume them and uh you know it got to the point where her dad would fill the the bowl with chocolate bullets and then you know before he knew it they were basically gone and he'd have to refill it so it got to the point where you know he called a family meeting he sat down all the children and said look i've got these chocolate bullets on my desk and they're just they're just vanishing you know who is stealing them who's taking them and eating them come on confess now and um you know steph in that moment was like well oh oh you you've got chocolate bullets on your desk oh wow i didn't know that wow so she's covering it up she's very very clever but you know many years later the truth came out it was only a couple of years ago that uh steph under the conviction of the holy spirit perhaps confessed to her dad that yes all those years ago you know it was me it was me that stole all those chocolate bullets she made uh you know amends by buying him a few bags of chocolate bullets one father's day just to kind of uh you know say i'm sorry but you know in that situation when truth came even though it was many years later in this particular situation everything made sense for her dad it was like ah i knew it someone was stealing them i knew it was she he probably knew it was her i guess but you know light shone where there was darkness and there was freedom that came you know freedom for steph the burden was off her shoulders of carrying this secret this lie this untruth but when truth comes everything makes sense and so this morning i want to focus upon the significance of truth what it is why it's important to us as believers and for us how we can be a people who build our lives on truth who are led by truth and who are transformed by knowing and believing this truth and i believe that truth is so important in this day that we live because we live in in a world where we see so much evidence of truth being watered down even you know in the church sadly and if you've ever had watered down cordial you know like much too watered down cordial you know that it's it's weak it's not very palatable and really only good just to be poured out and, and not partaken of and that's the same as watered down truth and in addition to this watered down truth we're seeing an erosion of truth in society laws or precepts or things that were once held up as a standard as truth have made way for relativism And you know this is not a surprise to God and nor should it be to us you know in Romans 1 it talks about um the unrighteous they suppress the truth that that the truth about God has been exchanged for a lie and you know even now we're we're seeing this as we've heard the last uh, couple of weeks from Arthur uh just the wonderful work that he's doing there's this attack on the true identity of young people this agenda that's being pushed in the, in the schools and uh, you know i just value so highly what arthur's doing standing up for fighting for truth truth is like an anchor a central point of focus or reference that everything can be measured by if truth is merely relative able to be changed or shifted depending on the situation or how we feel we'll be tossed about by the winds of change similarly if we don't believe or or build our lives on truth in any area of our life we will stay in a place of 
captivity instead of the place of freedom that Christ desires us to live in. And so we'll look at more at that later. That's kind of where we're heading. So what is truth? You may remember from John 18, it's, it's quite a well-known phrase, you know, when Jesus is before Pilate, just before he's about to uh, be crucified. And they have this discourse together. And Pilate says, well, what is truth? I think it's ironic. I've always found it a bit ironic that Pilate there is asking this question when he's in the very presence of the one who is truth incarnate before Jesus. So a biblical definition, there's this particular word, emet, certainty, stability, rightness, trustworthiness. And this word derives from another Hebrew word, aman, meaning to be firm, permanent, and established. And so from John 8, where we've read this morning, we know that there is truth. There is truth. It's found in the person of Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I don't know about you, but I love what Jesus says you know, throughout the Gospels when he's teaching, just before he launches into something. He'll, he'll often say, I think uh, one translation says, you know, I tell you the truth. Or another translation says, truly, truly, I say to you. He tells us the truth. So there is truth. And this truth can be known. And this truth is unchanging. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So point number one this morning as we're looking, as we're looking at truth. Truth is the foundation. Truth is the foundation. So what can we see here from John chapter 8? To the Jews who had believed in him, he's saying, look, if you believe, great, what a great starting point. Believe in me. But if you truly want to be my disciples, abide in my word. Abide in my word. And so to me, that sense of abiding, it's, it's not a temporary state. It's not somewhere where we just kind of you know, float in and out, move on to the next thing. It speaks of dwelling. It speaks of remaining, of continuing, putting down roots use that phrase the sense of continuing to believe what Jesus has said and then walking in obedience to him to that truth not shifting from place to place there's nothing nomadic about it and um, more and more we see uh, you know in social media and things like that people are getting their truth not necessarily from what's actually true or right but from celebrities or you know, famous people, things like that, where they spout their opinions, their viewpoints, and you know, people kind of hold fast to that. Maybe popular, but it's most likely not always true. But truth is the certainty upon which we can build our lives. This foundation is not based on opinion. Sometimes it's not even popular. But it's based on the words of God himself, based on the one who is truth. So keep your finger in John chapter 8, and we're going to be turning, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 26, uh, 27, sorry. Matthew seven twenty-four. 
Jesus is saying, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So I love this. I love what Jesus is saying here. Whoever hears these words of mine and does them. This this speaks of that sense of continuing in them, of abiding in them, of dwelling there in that place. We'll be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And these two men who wanted to build a house, they did everything the same. You know, they both perhaps wanted a bit of an ocean view, one perhaps more the, um, the beachfront view than the other. But they both built the house. They both did everything the same except for the foundation. Except for the foundation, one upon the rock, one upon the sand. Only when the storms of life come that the foundations are revealed. Or the lack of foundations are revealed as well, as we see in these few verses. Truth is to be our foundation. And in the truth, there is no longer uncertainty. Because truth is truth, no matter what the circumstance or belief system. It doesn't shift or change. Who our God is, the truth uh, of His Word doesn't change depending on the the pervading circumstances or the belief system that may be in operation at any given time. We're we're heading back to John 8, by the way, so hopefully you've got your finger in there. It says, then you will know the truth, the truth of who God is and who He says He is, the truth of who He says that we are as well. He doesn't say, then you will know a kind of truth, then you will know a relative truth, then you will know whatever truth you wish to believe. He says, then you will know the truth truth. I think one of the big issues in, in what we see in the world today is, that, is the belief that truth is just relative and changes depending on and to fit with whatever we think or feel is true. Let me give you an example. Gravity is one, right? We all would say that gravity is true, that it's a you know, well-founded and proven law and truth. But, you know, what if someone came to you and said, no, I, I don't believe in gravity, you know. I just don't feel like it kind of fits my experience or paradigm. Now, you can say, oh, well, well, you know, whatever, whatever feels right, you can believe. Whatever truth feels right to you, that's fine. But actually, truth is still truth. Gravity still exists, right? So truth is still truth, no matter what the, the belief system is operating or the circumstances are there. I'll give you another example. When Jesus is um, with his disciples and he's, he says, you know, who do the people say that I am? And he goes on to ask, who do you say that I am as well? And, you know, there's only one true answer to this question. He's the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Savior, our Redeemer, our hope. But the disciples bring a report that, you know, some people say that you're a, a prophet or a good teacher, a good man. And in today's society, we see uh, as well, many hold to the fact that, you know, yeah, Jesus is a great teacher or he preached love and he's a prophet, whatever. But, you know, despite that, the, the truth of that true answer 
remains. Even if people are not you know, acknowledging him as the truth, it doesn't change the truth of the true answer. And just because you don't build on the foundation of truth, it doesn't mean that truth isn't there. And similarly, just because we don't have necessarily a framework or an understanding of something, doesn't mean it's not truth. I can remember Mark Dupont uh, when he's been here uh, a couple of times. You know, he's seen some incredible healings as he's travelled around the world and ministered in different places. And he he said before here, I think that you know, I don't know how how God does it. Like I don't know if he actually goes in and makes new cartilage for a damaged knee or whether it just like he doesn't know. But it doesn't change the truth that Jesus heals, right? We heard a few weeks ago from Andrew about. You know, Joshua leading the people of Israel across the Jordan and into the promised land. Now he knew the truth that God had spoken, that he'd promised that he had given them the promised land. But he didn't necessarily have a framework or an understanding of how that was going to happen, how that was going to outwork. That's why there was the waiting and, you know, waiting for the Lord to move and show him and, and, and then they'd act accordingly. That didn't change the truth that God was giving them, that he'd promised them the promised land. In my own life, for me, just sharing personally here, there's been a couple of areas you know, at school and beyond that I've never really been able to just grasp or understand. So, for example, computers, anything IT um, with relation to programming or just how it all works, I just can't grasp it. I know that there are, there are people here who are brilliant at that. That's wonderful. I, I just don't have a framework for how that, all I know is there's a lot of zeros and ones in there. Is that right in programming? Something like that. I, uh, yeah, I did a computer programming course at school and it wasn't all that successful. Um, but that doesn't change, like, even though I can't understand that or grasp it or get a handle on it, that doesn't change the truth of, of how computers work and how that or science was another one that I, uh, particularly chemistry, physics, just don't have a handle on that, don't have a framework for that. But that doesn't change the truth of the laws of physics and chemistry. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Another example, Peter, the Apostle Peter in, in Acts, when the Lord appears to him in a vision, it says, kill and eat. He, you know, he was a good... Uh, Jewish man, he, he wouldn't have eaten all these anything unclean, yet the Lord is uh, giving him this vision or, and saying, kill and eat these unclean animals. And as, he, as he's pondering this, he's like, no, Lord, never. I'm not going to do that. But then the Lord speaks to him and reveals that, yes, it's okay. Don't call unclean that which I have made clean. And he reveals through that situation that he was opening up salvation to the Gentiles to be brought in. It wasn't just for the Jews. So even though he didn't have a, fr- a framework or a foundation of what God was doing there, it didn't change the fact that uh, the truth that God was bringing in the Gentiles into that place of salvation. And so for us, when we're p- faced with truth, we have a choice as to how we respond. We have a choice as to how and what we will build upon. First of all, we can not believe or totally ignore the truth. Second, secondly, we can take bits of it, you know, the bits that we like, the bits that perhaps feel comfortable within our paradigm or experience and just kind of shape our lives and, and framework that way. Or we can believe. We can 
continue to hold fast to the truth. We can believe what God has said. We can abide in His Word. We can uh, dwell there, persevere in it, shift our priorities and the way we live accordingly to kind of match up with what that truth is. And we'll see the fruit that that brings in our lives. But we can't ignore the truth of who Jesus is. We can't ignore the truth revealed in the Word of God that God is good, that His heart is towards us, that He loves us, that He is alive and well, and He is at work in our lives. And we can't water down and take bits of it just to kind of fit our own understanding or experience. Because if, if things are only half truth, well, they're not really truth at all. We must have truth as our foundation dwelling, abiding in the truth of His Word and building our lives upon it. Truth is the foundation. Point number two, truth is the compass. So we go on here in John chapter 8 about abiding in the Word, building our lives upon that foundation. Then you will know the truth. So knowing the truth, knowing something speaks of illumination of light, of clarity, of direction, which ultimately then leads to freedom. So yes, we are to build our lives on truth as the foundation, but truth is also meant to lead us. So it's like a compass that helps us find and then keep our bearings. So I've not had a huge amount of experience using compasses. I've not done much orienteering or anything like that. And of course, you know, as Andrew says, got the man sense so you know why need a compass kind of thing just kidding but a compass helps us uh, you know find and then keep our bearings and so it is with truth we find our bearings because truth is is unchanging it's not like it's over here one day and over there the next it's it's unchanging and steadfast and constant and then we keep our bearings as we continue in him as we abide in him as we've looked at already and more and more it seems that feelings and emotions are the things that guide us yesterday uh, we celebrated my youngest sister's engagement party it was a lovely afternoon and they had like a lolly bar there where you could just get all different kinds of lollies and uh, there were chocolate bullets actually so yeah had to keep you know, <laughs> keep things under control. But um, they also had lots of other things as well. And I'd sort of tried to keep things under control with uh, our little boy who's old enough to partake of such things. But from what I understand, I think there were others that were kind of just feeding him lollies throughout the afternoon and uh, as, as, as people think they can. And unfortunately, you know, he, you know, there was that massive sugar high I don't know if parents out there may know that. There was a big sugar high, and then there was the crash, and he was really tired as well. And uh, it's kind of just changed, you know, really quickly from high to low, high to low. And, you know, if we're um, uh, basing how we live upon our feelings and our emotions, you know, it can change from day to day. Some mornings we wake up feeling great, ready for the day. Other days we wake up feeling just grumpy and that, you know, everything's going wrong. But there's this mindset, isn't there, that if it feels good, do it. If it somehow fits my paradigm, 
it's okay. If the, if the popular people I follow on social media endorse it, then it must be true, it must be real. If we get the warm fuzzies, if we have an experience that pushes all the right buttons, then it must be true. But if we're relying upon our feelings and emotions, they're going to change. That experience of truth is going to, going to change as well. We'll get in trouble because there's no certainty, no constancy there. Relative truth uh, tells us to be led by our feelings, but we are, t- we are told to be led by the truth. So how do we let truth lead us in the way that we live, rather than just our feelings? Well, I want to suggest that there's something in it for us this morning. In John 16, 13, you don't need to turn there. I'll just look briefly at it. Jesus says, When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. When, he, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So I want to encourage us this morning to be led by the spirit. Be led by the spirit, the spirit of truth. Who Jesus says, who Jesus promises, will lead us into the truth. And because the very nature of God is true, he can't lie. So when he says he will lead you into truth, it's not just a a maybe he'll lead you into the truth. It's not a, you know, if there's no other pressing matters, kind of maybe he'll lead you into the truth. No, he will lead you into truth. So I just feel like there's something in that this morning for us to be a people who are led by the Spirit, but who follow the Spirit as well. Because we can know and hear all about truth, but unless that actually translates into impacting the way that we live, well, there's not much uh, use in that. It's like, you know, perhaps some of you may have been on a a guided tour of a um, historical site or a rainforest, or a, or a history museum, or something like that. You know, you have your tour guide who's leading you through this site or this experience, whatever it might be. But if you're not actually following the leader, you just get left behind. You're stuck in the very start, and you're like, oh, well, this is great. I'm not sure what's going on here. But as we, as we follow the tour guide through whatever, the history museum or whatever it is, then we, can, then we, then we know what's going on. Be led by the Spirit and follow. If we just know and hear all about truth, we're like the, the man that James refers to in James 1, who after reading the Word, um, looks, you know, it's, it's like a man who looks at himself in the mirror and then immediately forgets what he looks like. We're to be hearers and doers. We're to be led by and actually follow the Holy Spirit who will lead us into all truth. Keep your bearing of the compass of truth. If you stray, the good news is it's, it's, it's there. It's constant. You'll be able to find it. and Build upon it. It will light and illuminate our path. So walk in the light. Truth is the compass. Finally, the third point. Truth brings freedom. So I think we're progressing well here, right? We're, we've looked at truth as the foundation. that We're to dwell in, we're to build upon, we're to abide in Him. And as we do that, then we will know the truth, the sense of direction, clarity, illumination, and light for our path. And then we read in John 8.32, then when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. 
Truth brings freedom. Truth brings transformation to our lives. Freedom from the bondage of sin and shame. Yes, that's what Jesus came to do and to set us free. But also freedom from the bondage of the enemy's lies. And truth and freedom are closely linked. You know, it's interesting how Jesus uses them right next to each other here. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. I believe that there's no true freedom without truth. So if you think about a car and, uh, you know, you're a little bit stuck without the key, right? To unlock the car, to drive the car. Well, when I was young, my dad had a particular car that, you know, was a little bit, had some issues, let's just say that. And uh, this car would actually drive without the key. And so one day, dad was, he went to work and he, he drove out of the driveway he got up the street, realized he'd forgotten something. So he turned around, came home, back into the driveway, took the keys out of the ignition, went inside, left them on the sideboard, got whatever he'd forgotten, got back in the car, left the keys on the sideboard, and the car was still idling, so he just drove to work. And got to work and then realized that there was no keys. So, I mean, there's a whole lot of issues there, like how do you turn off the car? How do you uh, lock the car? How do you unlock it at the end of the day and drive home, get home? The car is useless without the key. And you're stuck without the key. You can only get so far without the key. He could only get so far. Once he kind of got to work, that was, that was it. What do I do now? And in the same way, I don't want to go through life without the key that brings freedom. Because truth is a key that brings freedom. There is only so far that we can get, like Dad's old car, only so far we can get without our souls feeding on the truth of who God is, on the truth of His Word. There was only so far that we can get when we fail to measure our lives by the, by the standard of God's truth. And so I just want to, kind of as we bring this to a close, explore what that means for a little bit. And I want to ask us this morning, by what standard do you measure your life? Or to put it another way, by what standard do you believe things about yourself or about God even? I see in my own life, and I'll go out on a limb here and say that perhaps I'm not alone here, that too often the way we measure ourselves or what we believe about ourselves or about God or things like that is based not on truth but on untruth. Whether it's the enemy's lies, whether it's lies others have spoken about us or to us or over us, or whether it's lies that we've believed based on past experiences, failures, or disappointments. God doesn't hear your prayer. God can't do this. You'll never measure up. Perhaps there are things that you've, you've believed in various forms. But Jesus' perfect truth frees us to be all that God has meant us to be. So it's a little bit like um, a zoo. Animals in a zoo, right? I... I enjoy going to the zoo. My eldest boy loves animals, so we've got the season pass to the Canberra Zoo and we go along. And it's, it's wonderful seeing, you know, these majestic um, animals, the, the lions, the tigers, the giraffe. I'm looking forward to seeing the rhinoceroses when they're, um, when they're available as well. It's wonderful to see those things up close. But I can't help but think, as they're there in, you know, a decent-sized enclosure, 
that they were born for so much more than this. They were born not to be in captivity, but for the wide open space. And for us, I believe that you know, there's this wide open space that is available to us, that the Lord wants us to, to live in. It's a place of freedom. It's a place of grace and life and truth. Yet so often we stay in this place of captivity, whether it's things we believe, lies we've believed about ourselves, about God. We all have this glorious hope, this glorious purpose and identity in Christ. There's so much available to us in Him. If only we would grasp it. If only we would believe it. If only we would build upon it and step into it and not be stuck in that place of bondage or captivity because we haven't yet believed the truth that brings freedom. Truth is the means by which we can align ourselves with who God calls us to be. It's the means by which we align ourselves with, the, with who God calls us to be. So I want to encourage us this morning to tune into and listen more to what God says about you, which is the truth, rather than what you may think about yourself, rather than uh, listening to that condemnation that the enemy tries to heap upon us from time to time. Because I found this myself, it's so easy to tune into the condemnation, to the lies, to those things that aren't quite true, to the ungodly beliefs. In John 8, 44 and 45, I think, it tells us that, Jesus tells us that the devil is the father of lies. That he has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. That when he lies, he speaks his own language. What language do you speak? I, can, I speak lies. Because he is a liar. So this morning, perhaps you may have heard some of these things that I'm about to just say. Listen to them. Believe them. Hold fast to them in your hearts. Allow them to take root. If you haven't, there's probably other, other things that you may have kind of grabbed hold of as well. Have you ever heard this or believe this? You'll never overcome this pattern of behavior, this failure, this, this sin in your life. Well, that's a lie. The truth is that you are more than a conqueror through him who loved you. Romans 8, 37. You're more than a conqueror. You may have heard this. God will never love you just as you are. Surely you've got to work harder or put in more effort to get his approval. Well, I want to say this morning that the truth is, it's not by whether or not you can work hard or earn his approval. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's a gift from God. It's not by your works. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 says that. Or this, perhaps. You'll never measure up. You're not good enough. The truth is, you have been made righteous because of Jesus. You measure up because of Jesus that in Romans 5.1 it says you've been justified by faith. And because of that you have peace with God. Or perhaps this one. You're too short. You're too tall. You're not good looking enough. You're not strong enough. Whatever it might be. Well, the truth is you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Made in the image of God himself. 
Feed on that truth for a moment. Or this, I just, I'm all alone. God has abandoned me. Where are you, God? I tell you the truth this morning. The truth is, He promises never to leave you or forsake you. That's truth. If you feel you have no hope, you're in a hopeless situation, well, the truth is you have a future and a hope, a glorious future and a hope in Christ. Feed on those truths this morning. Not upon the lies or the condemnation that the enemy would bring. Because if we begin to believe what God believes and says about us, our lives will never be the same again. Just imagine if, you know, if those truths that I've just spoken out there, they're the things that we measure our lives by. Imagine how different things might look. That we, we, know, that we know the truth, that we're more than conquerors, that we're loved, that we're chosen, that we have a hope and a future. When we anchor to that, our lives will never be the same because the truth is transformational to our hearts and our lives. At youth, this, uh, this current school term, we've been looking at this theme of being works in progress, how God's begun a good work, how we bring it to completion, but there's this kind of process in the middle of being works in progress, of working out our salvation, what it is to follow Jesus, allowing him to work in our lives and refine us and all that kind of, all that kind of stuff. And uh, we've been looking a little bit at, at Gideon and the process that God had him on in his kind of journey of faith. And when the Lord appears to him right at the beginning of Judges 6, he says, the Lord's with you, mighty warrior. And at that point, there wasn't much evidence of him being a mighty warrior. If you read the story, he was hiding away. He was, um, uh, you know, God appears to him and he just, he says, Lord, I'm just, you know, I'm weak. My, my clan that I belong to is the least and my father's house is the least in that clan. Like, I, I can't do it. God is speaking truth. The Lord's with you, mighty warrior. And he goes on this journey and, and there's this, um, you know, he's focusing on the place of believing lies. He's, he's focusing on his faults, his limitations, his weaknesses. And yet the Lord just begins to work. And of course, as, as perhaps we all know the story in Judges 7, the Lord brings about this incredible victory that, that Gideon leads. And it's at that point, it's like, oh, there's the mighty warrior that God was talking about. That you couldn't see at the start, but God spoke truth. Even though he was focusing on the lie, on his faults, on his limitations, on his weaknesses, God spoke the truth and brought him to that point where, ah, there's the mighty warrior that God was talking about. So believing truth is where the rubber hits the road. We can hear about it, we can know about it, but truth is the key that unlocks freedom. Having truth is our foundation, our certainty and what we build upon. And as our compass, which leads us, which illuminates our path ahead, causes us to know the truth. And that truth brings freedom to every area of our lives. May we be a people of the truth. Amen. Amen. Well, I'd love just to uh, invite you to, to stand just as we finish the service this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we have been able to gather as your people today. I pray for each of us that we would leave here encouraged in heart, 
having known your presence and the touch of your Holy Spirit, and having had our compass realigned, Lord, for the coming week upon you, Lord God. And I just pray that we would be uh, a people of the truth, that we would uh, build upon truth as a foundation, Lord, that we'd allow you to lead us, to have truth as our compass, and that, Lord, we would be a people who come into freedom in every area of our lives because we are people of truth, Lord God. I thank you, Jesus, that you are the truth and that you, um, your truth sets us free. And as we go from here, Lord, may we go uh, full of your Holy Spirit, of faith, of joy, of hope as well. And may we impact, Lord God, whatever spheres of influence you have placed us in in the coming week, in our homes, in our communities, in our workplaces, in our families, Lord. And I bless each person here, Lord, with your grace, with your goodness, with the assurance of your love, and with uh, just confident expectation of good. We honor you, Lord, and we thank you that you've been here with us this morning. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.